Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Katie Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. I am excited about sharing with us today in our Believe series. Uh, This series is near and dear to my heart because um, I feel like we have really been challenged in what we believe in the last, I guess, uh, now it's like, seems like two years because it seems like a long journey. Um, But I do want to share a little bit about uh, our heart and just some of the things that God has taught us through what we've been going through and what we have been going through. So I'll tell you a lot of my story and what we've been uh, walking. But I I mean, obviously my prayer is that you don't just hear my story, but that you're able to take what I've learned and take what the Lord has shown us and be able to apply it to your life personally. And I know not everybody in the room has gone through the same thing. And I know that everybody's walking different journeys, but I do believe that there are some biblical principles that are applicable to each and every one of us, regardless if it's exactly the same. And, um, you know, I, I clearly remember after walking this last really hard year or two, um, going to a sermon and being like, what do they have to say? They haven't been through anything. So I was discrediting people who would speak because I'd be like, really, do you really know? <laughs> have you ever had to live it out? You know, have you really had to? And so even as I'm speaking today, you may have gone through something much uh, more challenging and much harder. Um, and I understand that. And I know that um, God understands it more than I do. And God loves you and sees you and wants to speak to you today. So I really believe that he'll speak to you through me, that it won't be me, and that you would be able to be receptive to hear the Holy Spirit today. So let's just pray and invite him. Lord, I just thank you for each person in this room. God, I thank you right now that, Lord, that you are the one who wants to speak. Father God, and I just ask right now that you would speak specifically to the people in the chairs. Father God, that you would fill them up. You would fill these people up with you, and um, that you would help them. Father God, believe again that you win, and that you would help them enjoy the joy of the victory, and that you would free them from all fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, obviously, our main point in this series is what you believe about God determines your relationship with God. And this is so important as we walk out our life every day because, you know, some of us in different journeys of our faith, our our faith will be tested. But for me, I have built my faith over many, many years. And so some of the things that I've been walking through and our family's been walking through, I'm going to be honest, it hasn't tested our faith. But it has tested what I believe about who God is. And so that is something that I have had to solidify and clarify and make sure that my perspective is not skewed. Because I believe the enemy, the devil, wants to skew our perspective on who God is and what we believe. Because if we believe something incorrect about God, then what it does is it draws us away from God instead of towards him. And it talks about the fact that apart from God, we can do nothing. So if we are drawn away from God because we don't believe the right things, 
we can do nothing. We're just bearing dead fruit. But when we are drawn to him because we know who he is and we know who his character is and we, understand, and we believe what he says is true, then we're drawn to him and we're able to reap the victory that he's provided for us through his sacrifice. So the two things that we've already talked about in this series is God cares. Our first week was about God cares. Believe that God cares. And as simple as that is, and if you were not here for the first two weeks of the series, I want to encourage you to go on our podcast and catch up. This has been such an impactful series because it is, I feel, applicable to all of us in whatever season that we're in. So first is God cares, and second is Devin did an amazing job at talking about how God is faithful. And so we can just see this right now. If we don't believe God cares, we can see we're running away from him, not towards him. If we don't believe God's faithful, we're not drawn close to him. We're drawn away from him. And so today I want to talk about the fact that he cares, he is faithful, and God wins. If we don't believe we're on the winning team, we are never able to walk in the victory that God has called us to walk in. And so today my prayer is that you will understand the team that you've joined. And if you haven't joined the team yet, I am praying that you see a God, the perspective of a God whom you want to be on his team. Because he is the winning team. Um, I was an 80s or 90s child. Any 80s or 90s children out there? So let me refresh you youngins if you were not. Um, You know, the movies in the 80s and 90s were uh, awesome. Princess Bride, The Jewel of the Nile, uh, you know, Indiana Jones. Uh, And so each of these movies, 80s and 90s, like just always wanted to put a quicksand moment in the movie. So there's always a trial in a quicksand. It seemed like every movie you watch, someone was about to be sunk. And so the thing is, I remember as a child being so scared at those points because it was super scary. The harder they tried to get out of the quicksand, the more they sank. Like it was not helping them at all. And so, you know, for us, we went through an 18-month period that felt a little bit like I was drowning in quicksand. All of us were, me and my kids. I have four children. And so it started out with um, Tia got septic and from sickness. And it was just a really hard season because it changed our life. It changed her life. And it was just not fun to go through. It was a hard sickness. We had to be in the hospital for a long time. We had home health for a long time. She took IV antibiotics and um, shots to make the blood clots on her brain go away. And it was just not fun to go through. It was a trial. And I remember thinking, you know, that it was a trial. This is life. You know, life has ups and downs. And you walk through it, and I wish it wouldn't have happened, and it was traumatic, but, you know, it was just like, get through it. I know that, you know, God saved her life, and it was a miracle. But then here comes a few months later, and I get the phone call that uh, Trevor calls me, and the police officer gets on the phone saying, it's really, really bad. Your family's been hit. And, um, sorry, I really should stop crying on this story. (laughs) So... The bottom line is, is it was a really horrible situation, and uh, Stephen and Hallie were obviously air flighted, and they, and a lot of you know the story. I'm not trying to relive it. I'm just trying to help you see that that was the beginning. But we were in the hospital um, for about 10 times over the course of 18 months. 
So, you know, soon after that, Stephen's mom took a turn for the worse and passed away. My mom, who is very healthy, was in the hospital. Uh, I guess it was actually three different times. Um, and then and one with stroke-like symptoms, so it was very scary. Um, I remember uh, just getting so angry when Trevor broke his elbow <laughs> because I had been doing so well and then Trevor broke his elbow and I lost it. And it was like the least life-threatening thing we had gone through, but it was the most frustrating. <laughs> and it was like I had held it together until he did that. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it was just multiple things. Um, obviously, ups and downs, um, silly things. Like Tia, one Sunday morning, I was supposed to speak with Stephen, and she had all the symptoms of appendicitis, and I had to rush her to the hospital. It was the weirdest morning ever because I am not the rusher to the hospital. I'm like, I have four children. You're fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, unless you're dying, we don't go to the hospital. But we've just had a lot of, you're dying, we have to go to the hospital moments. And so um, in this season, I, I realized that being stronger or wiser or better or trying harder was not helping me. It was sinking farther and farther down into the quicksand. And I learned that what God was asking me to do and what I was having to do in this scenario was trust deeper, not try harder. And so I believe that that is something that we all can see. When we believe God wins, we can trust deeper. And we can understand that in this moment, no matter what I do, it may not help the situation, but I know that God is worthy of my deeper trust. Um, I woke up, I started waking up every day just wondering what new bad thing was going to happen. And so it was just like, I just didn't have a lot of hope waking up. I was like, seriously, every phone call was like, what bad news am I going to get? Stephen hates it when I answer the phone because I'm like what what's wrong and because I had this like inner like frustration or expectancy that the phone call was going to be bad and um so through this all I had to see that um I was every time something bad would happen Hallie started getting cellulitis out of nowhere and it was like not responding to antibiotics and we had to go to the doctor over and over again it was just like I got so angry every time I had to go to the doctor every time we had to go to the hospital I would get angrier and angrier and angrier because I was just so frustrated that these things were happening because we didn't have like a life of full of unhealthiness you know we weren't at the hospital all the time before this season um but as a christian i've been well aware that there's spiritual warfare going on and i believe that the devil is very present um, but i believe that he's not stronger than god and so i think that it's very important real quick i'm going to just go through a few scriptures that tell what the bible says about the devil so that we can have the right theology about who we're up against and then i'm going to go through what we believe as God wins. So real quick, the first verse is Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So our battle is not against even sickness. Our battle is not against your husband. Our battle is not against your children. Our battle is against the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. First Peter 5.8 says, be, so, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So he is looking to hurt us. 
Um, but this is one thing my youth pastor always said was he is called the roaring lion, but he's the roaring lion without teeth. Because when we are covered by the blood of Jesus, he can intimidate us with this roar, but he cannot touch us. He cannot hurt us unless we allow him to. Uh, John 10.10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So we realize he has terrible motives. He never, ever has good motives. Um, and so anything that has been stolen, killed, or destroyed in your life has either been straight from the enemy, the devil, or it has been a natural circumstances that the enemy has used to sabotage your peace and your joy and your life. Um, John 8, it says, Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so he loves to tell us things that are not true about God. He loves to lead us into believing something that is not true, um, the wrong perspective of what the Word of God, the wrong perspective of who God's true nature is. So the enemy truly did intimidate me through this season. Um, it felt like it was like us against him. Um, I believe the enemy knew he couldn't take my faith, but I do believe he was trying to skew my perspective of God. He wanted me to feel rejected. He didn't want me to feel loved. He wanted me to feel angry instead of free. He wanted me to feel cursed instead of blessed. He wanted me to feel weary instead of victorious. And I think that those things are some things that you may be in the room right now thinking, you know what, I am angry right now. And I want you to know the enemy wants you to be angry. <laughs> Okay, so that is not the Lord. He wants you to feel cursed. He wants you to feel weary. He wants you to feel defeated. He wants you to feel rejected. But that's when we come in and say, you are a liar, and God cares for me, is faithful, and he wins. He, you know, he wanted me to say the things that I knew to be right. Because I knew the right things to say, and I knew the right things to do, and I knew how to get through it. But he wanted to harden my heart so that it was so subtle, but I lived in a way that I wasn't believing that God wins. And ultimately, that bears really bad fruit. You know, I'm still processing all of the emotions of, like, the trauma and just, like, the bombardment. But I do believe that God is walking me through a process of healing because I was willing to be able to, not because in my own strength, but because I needed the Holy Spirit. I was willing to slow down and say, okay, Holy Spirit, there's something wrong with me. Like, I'm really angry, and I'm really frustrated, and I feel rejected, although I know that you haven't rejected me, but I feel that way. You know, it was like I knew the truth, but I had to really recognize those feelings to be able to say, okay, God, I don't want this to harden my heart. I want to believe and walk in that you win. Um, it what I believed about God affected my relationship with God, like we've been talking about. And so that's why we have to make sure that we're believing the right thing. You know, when I was little, I went, um, my grandfather would always take us out to eat. And me and my grand, I was his favorite. I was the baby of the family. If you ask any of my siblings or cousins, they would agree. Um, but he would always take me to go out to eat because I was probably the youngest. I didn't have a life, so I was the only one available. And so he would take me to Shoney's, which was a, one of my favorite restaurants, which I think have mostly closed down by now. Um, it was awful food, but when I was little, I thought it was great. Um, but I remember signing up to win uh, something, and sure enough, I won a trip to Fayetteville, Arkansas. I lived in Texarkana. 
And so I won a trip to Fayetteville, Arkansas to be the ball hog girl for the Razorback basketball team. And I remember I had never been interested in basketball. I'd hardly watched any basketball up to that point. Uh, but I went to that game and sat on the sidelines. I, my job was to wipe the sweat off of the court when they went to the other side. And I, I was really scared to do that because I was afraid I would get trampled or mess up something. So I just, there were coaches' sons on the sidelines too. So I would just give them the towel and I sat, you know, uh, <laughs> contently on the side. But um, I came home with the posters on my wall and so excited about the team. I didn't miss a game on the TV. Uh, I was so excited about their team because it was 1994. So it was oh, the yeah. best time to be a Razorback fan because they became that year the NCAA champions. And so they were unstoppable. They were relentless. They were the team to beat. They won like crazy. And so the one thing about this team was winning begets winning. They had momentum. It was in their favor. They had the advantage. They were unstoppable. And it was amazing to see them celebrate at that game. And I remember how much joy they had and how crazy it was and all of the the, the fun stuff that they do when you win the NCAA championship and all of the players talking about how, how good they felt and how awesome it was. And the thing is, is they never talked about how hard it was in the early mornings and the late nights and focusing on their studies and trying to win and the coaches drilling them till they threw up. They didn't focus on that. In that moment, they were enjoying the victory. And so I really realized that the enemy loves to steal the joy of the victory because it's so hard to see past the pain and the hardship that sometimes we walk through to get to the victory. And so the hardship and the pain sometimes feels pointless. It sometimes feels like it is harder than it is worth it. And so I think that the devil loves to come in and steal that joy. But the thing is, is the fact that the joy is good and Jesus provided that joy and he gave us the victory so that we could experience it. You know, um, the one first thing that I want to talk about with God wins is that we have to believe that God is for us. God is for us. You know, he went ahead and won over death, hell, and the grave. He beat death, hell, and the grave. He beat the hardest thing, the biggest thing up front. So that means he gave us a winning start. Winning begets winning. If we don't know that, if we don't know we come from a place of victory, we will believe we've lost when we have won. And he will intimidate and lie to us, and we won't be able to experience the joy of the victory. You know, he wants us to experience the victory. He not only did he do the hard thing and defeat death, hell, and the grave, but he also gave his Holy Spirit the resurrection power to live inside of us. So the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of us. So not only did he say, hey, I'm going to win for you. You start out with a win, but now you have everything you need to continue winning. You're powerful with the Holy Spirit and you're able to face anything and win. He started us off with a win so that we would have winning momentum. You know, we are fighting from the place of victory. So let's read Romans 8, 31 through 39. And it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. 
You know, this is so important because I don't know, you may have been facing, I don't know, in your past, if there was rape, if there was molestation, if there was murder, if there was divorce, if there was rejection, if there was abandonment, I don't know if there was verbal abuse, I don't know if it was just a previous illness, or a, a, maybe there was a loss of a child, I don't know, because there are some really bad things that can happen in a fallen world. But nothing can separate us from the love of Christ because in all things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And so the enemy would love for us to focus on the hardship because it was hard, the pain, because it was painful. But the problem is, is we'll miss the joy of the victory and the love that can never be separated from us. You know, we have to believe God is for us so we can live hopeful and not helpless. So number two we talk about, uh, we want to talk about is we have the higher ground. And for y'all history buffs, um, I read this story about the higher ground in the Gettysburg battle, the Battle of Gettysburg. So the whole Battle of Gettysburg was a turning point for the Civil War. And so the whole reason why the Union won was because they had the higher ground. So there were several battles within this battle that was won, but there were lots of higher ground that the Union took. But the one like pivotal moment in the beginning of the battle was um, the Battle of Little Round Top. And so this battle is like a hill with a big rock on it. And so the Union was able to take that and have the higher ground with a colonel that was just a professor. He was not a trained, like, soldier. Okay, so here he's coming up against General Lee, the unstoppable general. At that point in the war, General Lee was the more trained, more gifted, more uh, wise general of the two sides. He was looked to be unstoppable. He was a winning machine. He was a trained soldier, and he knew how to train soldiers. So he had what was called the Alabama Regiment. And so he sent the Alabama Regiment with a colonel who was very experienced to take Little Round Top. And so then the Union sent this unknown general, uh, unknown colonel, who didn't have experience with just 300 men, which was a very small amount compared to the Confederate Army. And so they took the little round top, they had the higher ground, they ran out of ammunition. So instead of retreating, the, the colonel said, get your bayonets, we're charging. And so they got their bayonets, and because they had the higher ground, they could see the Confederates in the rocks, in the trees. They came and charged the Confederate army, and they were able to, I mean, totally and completely take care of them, meaning they won without a question. It was, uh, there were a lot of losses in that war, but the bottom line is the whole entire battle was credited to the Union having the higher ground. So the bottom line is that Jesus gave us the higher ground. In Psalms 41 through 2, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He gave us the firm place to stand, which is the higher ground. When did he do that? When he took us out of the miry pit, the mud that was our sin, he saved us and put us on a rock. So when we feel like we're in quicksand and we can't get out, 
That is the enemy lying to us because Jesus put us on the rock that is the higher ground. We have the advantage over the enemy, and so we have three things that the higher ground affords us is the greater line of sight. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. They're greater. And how can we know them unless we're on the rock? How can we understand these things that we don't understand apart from him? We're on the higher rock, and we understand and see a greater line of sight. Momentum. They had momentum. The higher ground, when you charge downhill, you have some power. Whether you're, you feel like you're charging uphill, but just know that you have the higher ground, and when you decide to charge the enemy, it will be easier than you think because he's already defeated. You have the win. The next thing is communication. And when you have the higher ground, it affords you better communication in war. So now we use like special like technological ways to communicate. And so when you have the higher ground, there's less obstruction. You have a greater range of communication. And Jesus came and died and tore the veil so that we could have a relationship with Father God so we could have communication through the battle. When we're in the battle, we have communication with Father God because we have the higher ground. So we have, believe, we have to believe we have the higher advantage so we can live victorious, not defeated. You know, number three is we don't have to fear loss or pain. And for me, I definitely um, have feared loss or pain. Stephen makes fun of me because sometimes I will say, ow, before I stub my toe. You know, like my, I've noticed my kids do it too. Like before they hurt themselves, they'll say, ow, and you're like, you didn't do anything yet. <laughs> it's like the fear made them feel pain. And this is one thing about childbirth that is true that they've found scientifically and medically. They've done these studies that women with severe fear of childbirth experience significantly more labor pain than women without severe fear of childbirth. So there's a psychological connection to fear and pain. And so I had four children with no uh, medicine, no pain reliever. And so this is not, I, if you had pain reliever, go you. I don't care. I, I just chose not to. So it's, sometimes we can get in competition as ladies about I had no medication and I had medication. Well, I had a C-section. I had natural birth. Just say, yay, you had a baby and all of us did it. <laughs> it was awesome. So um, I didn't have pain uh, medication through any of my four labors. But one of the things about me is that I'm a super big, like, absorb knowledge person. So I love to read, and I love to know everything possibly able to be known before I do anything. And so um, with childbirth, that was no exception. I read every book. I read every article. Like, I was wanting to be informed of what I was about to go into. And so I remember being in labor with Hallie and starting to shake uncontrollably. And I remember at first thinking... Oh my gosh, why, am I, why can't I stop shaking? And then the next thing was, is I remembered in a book that I read that that was normal. <laughs> and so I was fine. So, <laughs> so knowledge really helped me not be afraid because I knew it was normal. Okay, so it is helpful to have a heads up. That is kind. And that's what Jesus gave us. He gave us a heads up in John 16. He, before he um, died and left the disciples, um, he understood the psychological component of fear and pain. And he shared with us, these things I have spoken to you in John 16, 33, 
These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. And so what he did is he gave us the heads up. He said, hey, I'm going to tell you that there's going to be hard times coming, but I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to take courage because I have overcome the world. Because he is such a kind God. He doesn't want to do all the work to win for us and then not tell us he won. He's saying, hey, I won, so you don't have to fear the pain or loss. Yes, you will go through hard times, but take courage. I have overcome those hard times, and I win. Just because you have more or face more than one battle doesn't mean the victory is any less. And, you know, sometimes, I'm going to be honest, I faced one battle and thought, that's good, God. <laughs> I, I came out through it. I believed you, and, like, I'm good for a while. You know, but the thing is, he didn't promise us the amount of battles. He just said there would be battle and that he would get us through. And if we're focused on how many battles and how hard it is, it's very difficult to be able to continue to win and, and keep our place of victory because it's easy to let the enemy make us believe we're defeated. But, um, here it is. I don't have to fear the future. And so what I had ended up fearing was every day wondering what next new bad thing was going to happen. And so I was in fear, you know, thinking, I guess God just knows I won't quit. God knows I'll tell, I will tell the story. God knows that I will keep going. So I keep on enduring these hardships. But that was not necessarily the case. It was just the enemy had, there was a season of battle. It's not forever. There was a season of battles that we faced, that we won, and there will be seasons of rest, and there will be seasons of battle. And it's very important for us to understand that there are seasons, and those seasons can be something that is a win. We have to believe that God wins so we can live free from fear. So because God got me through my parents' divorce... I'm going to get through the next thing. Because God got us through Hallie being 33 weeks, um, or I mean, being born at 33 weeks and in an incubator and on a ventilator, and we got through it, I can get through the next thing. I can get through the mountain of medical bills. And we've had a lot of astronomical numbers come through our mail, but God has gotten through, helped us get through that. And so because of that, we can get through sepsis. We can get through hearing loss. We can get through uh, a scar on our face. We can get through chronic pain. There's lots of things that we're still believing and standing for healing for, but we're getting through it because we have a place of victory and we are winning. We don't have to be afraid of the next battle. You know, if I asked you what your best day ever was, most of us would probably say our graduation, our wedding day, the birth of our child, something really fun and exciting. But a lot of times what we wouldn't say would be our worst day. But that's exactly what we call Jesus' worst day, is Good Friday. And so he had a terrible day that was awful to go through he died a terrible death and so here he died 
and face this insurmountable odds, but we call it good because he's showing us that he can redeem our worst days and make them our best days. You know, Stephen and I are experiencing a lot of blessing right now. The church is growing. We're moving into a new building. We're able to build a house, which has been, you know, 15 years in the making. And so these are good blessings, but they don't compare to Tia's life being saved. That was a great day. It doesn't compare to my kids and my husband's life being saved in the wreck or my mom's life being saved or it doesn't compare <laughs> it, those worst days are really the best days that i've been able to experience victory because god has come in and saved us over and over and over again you know there's a scripture i want to point out in luke 22 42 through 44 as we close and this is something that I feel like adds to what you believe about God will determine your relationship with God. Jesus was all God and all man. So oftentimes we think that he didn't experience the full range of emotions that we experience, but yet he did. Before he had to die on the cross and he chose to die on the cross, he actually in prayer said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So he was not necessarily excited about going through hard times. Okay, so it's not like he was a superhero and he didn't have the same emotions. He did accept the calling that, that what God had asked him to do, he submitted, which is so important right now. I believe that there's somebody in this room that may be going through something and God's saying, I have won, but I need you to submit. I need you to submit when you, it doesn't make sense. I need you to submit when you don't want to do it. I need you to know that it's going to be good on the other side. And then here, after he submits, the angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And today, my heart is that you would leave here strengthened, that you would be able to submit to his will. And that's not saying that we're submitting to hardship and expecting the next hard thing to happen. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about submitting to the fact that I believe that God cares, he is faithful, he wins, and it doesn't matter what I face, that I am going to be stronger on the other side, and I'm going to be able to call the worst days good days. You know, I think it's important for us to see that Jesus struggled with the pain and the loss, but he submitted and saw the Father strengthen him. You know, today I am hoping that many of you may have a worse day that comes to your mind, the most painful day, the most hard to remember day, and we're about to sing this song. And what I, was want, I want you to do is to release that day to the Lord. And ask the Lord to change it and allow you to experience the joy of the victory. I don't know what your victory was, but I know that God wins and he's given you victory. And so I'm believing that as we go throughout our week, that this Believe series and these three things we've been talking about will be something that draws you closer to the Lord instead of away. That you will correct, you will see there are some thoughts, there are some beliefs that have drawn me away from God. And I'm right now releasing all that to Him. I'm releasing those bad days. I'm releasing that pain. I'm releasing that loss. 
I'm releasing that fear. It was hard and it was terrible. And if you ask me if I want to go through it again, I wouldn't. But God got me through and God wins. And just like Jesus' worst day has continued to be told throughout our lives and every day and in every church, I'm going to continue to talk about the worst days that God has redeemed in my life and made good days. And I believe if he can do it for me, that he can do it for you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.